Good evening and welcome to our Bible study. We are continuing in our examination of 2 Peter. We're calling this series Growing in Grace and Truth. And for those of you that might just be joining us, uh, both the notes and the audio recordings of each one of these messages is available at our church website. That's new-life-ministries. Dot org, and we are coming to the close of chapter 2, either tonight or possibly next week. It may take us two sessions to complete this. But we're looking at the final section of Second Peter chapter 2. And if you are following along in the outline, this is on page 32 of Second Peter, Growing in Grace and Truth. I want to read the final verses here of 2 Peter 2, uh, starting with verse 17 up to the end of the chapter. 2 Peter 2, verses 17 to 22. And just again, this entire chapter, Peter has been talking about false teachers and false prophets. And so he still continuing in that same vein and so when he begins here in verse 17 he's still addressing this same group of people that we've been looking at for quite some time now he says these men are springs without water and mists driven by a storm blackest darkness is reserved for them for they mouth empty boastful words and by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them of them the proverbs are true quote, a dog returns to its vomit end quote, and quote, a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud end quote. these are very solemn words that we've just read matter of fact this entire chapter is very serious and as I've mentioned in previous studies, most pastors don't even like to touch this chapter. It's, it's so strong, the words here are so heavy, that they prefer not even to get near this chapter. But I think the fact that Peter kept these words for his final letter to the church, and he devotes... 22 verses to this topic. It's most of this second letter 
his final letter to the church, I think it would indicate to us that it is very important what he's writing about. And these are things that the church should be paying very close attention to, particularly in these last days, in light of many other verses that we've looked at where Jesus and the apostles all warn us that there will be many of these false teachers, false prophets, false apostles, false leaders, especially in the last days. And we need to be on guard, we need to know how to recognize these people, and we know we need to be on the lookout, especially to guard and to protect young, weak, inexperienced believers against these kinds of deceptions. And again in this passage that we've just read, we see a repeat of some of the same themes that we've looked at, and we're going to try to summarize a number of themes when we finish this last section of Second Peter 2. But notice again the strong condemnation that Peter levels against these people. He says in verse 17, the blackest darkness is reserved for these people. And as I've mentioned in previous studies, these are not just sinners. These are people who are intent on seducing and drawing as many other people as they can into their sin, into their perdition, and into eternal destruction. So they can affect many, many other people's lives. And that's why such strong judgment and condemnation is reserved for this group of people. Now, let's start from the beginning of this passage. He says in verse 17, These men are springs without water, mists driven by a storm. Very interesting. Springs without water. And he says in verse 18, they mouth empty, boastful words. And verse 19, they promise people freedom, but they themselves are slaves of depravity. In other words, they have great speeches, they mouth off all kinds of boastful words, and they, they promise marvelous things to their listeners, but they're like springs with no water. They, their whole ministry is disappointing, to say the least, and they don't deliver on all of the things that they promise. Empty words, empty promises, springs with no water. You know, true teachers, true spiritual leaders, should be those who bring the water of life to thirsty souls. The, the job of New Testament ministers and leaders is to feed the flock. It's to, in a sense, 
be a spring that opens up the living water to people. And these false teachers, although they mouth many boastful words and speak all kinds of promises, um, there's no delivery. There's no water that comes from the spring. And in the end, all that they produce in other people's lives is emptiness, disappointment, and even worse, the freedom that they promise, they can't bring freedom because as we just read in verse 19, they themselves are slaves of depravity. Let me read to you verse 17 from the Message Bible. It reads as follows, There's nothing to these people. They're dried up fountains, storm-scattered clouds, headed for a black hole in hell. Wow. Dried up fountains. There's nothing to these people. Just empty words, empty promises, empty, dried up fountains. And as we're going to see tonight, I think this final section will remove any doubt that these were once bona fide, called, anointed leaders in the church who fell away from the faith. They departed from their position in Christ, and now Although they can still say a lot of the same words, they're dried up. There's no life. There's no living water flowing from the spring. And again, we want to compare some of these words with Jude, because Jude is very similar to Second Peter 2. Uh, let me read from Jude verses 12 and 13. It says, These men are blemishes, at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, they are shepherds who feed only themselves. Notice that. Shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Rather than being a spring that provides water for thirsty souls, Jude says they have only one interest, that's feeding themselves. And let me also highlight something in Jude's version. He refers to these false teachers as shepherds. The word shepherd is used very clearly in the New Testament for a pastor. These are definitely spiritual leaders who were in a position to feed the flock, to guide the, the believers in the congregation, and yet these only feed themselves and very similar to Peter's rendering 
they are clouds without rain. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where it was very dry and everybody was hoping and praying for rain to come and the clouds come but they don't deliver any rain and there's a sense of disappointment after that. I think that's what Jude and Peter are trying to communicate here. Although these false teachers speak great boastful words and mouth off all kinds of amazing promises, in the end there's just emptiness and disappointment. And as we've already seen earlier in Second Peter, these false leaders they always seem to zero in on new souls, recent converts, and the weaker ones. They almost seem to have a sixth sense to know where and how to locate new souls, recent converts, uh, perhaps people that are weak in their faith. And these are the ones that they always go after. Let me read to you again uh, what it says in verse 18. They mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. Notice that. They target people who are just escaping. They're, in other words, they've just come out of sin. They've just come out of the world. They're recent converts. And let me read to you again from the Message Bible. I think it brings us out a little more poignantly. Verse 18 from the Message Bible. It says, They are loud mouths, full of hot air, but still, they're dangerous. Men and women who have recently escaped from a deviant life are most susceptible to their brand of seduction. Let me read that again, slowly. They are loud mouths, full of hot air, but still, they're dangerous. Men and women who have recently escaped from a deviant life are most susceptible to their brand of seduction. Those of us who are pastors or leaders or in some kind of a position of responsibility in the church, we need to be particularly aware of this dynamic that when people are recently converted, they've just gotten saved, they're in that first love, Maybe they've just been baptized. They've just started to walk with the Lord. We need to watch over them very carefully because they're very vulnerable in that early stage of their Christian life. And that's very often where they are targeted by deceivers, false prophets, false teachers, and the like. It says here, they have recently escaped from a deviant life and they are most susceptible to their brand of seduction. These false teachers, it goes on to say, 
while they promise them freedom, they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. We've already spoken in previous studies about the carnal, even very often the immoral, sexually perverse lifestyles that are often a part of these false teachers and false leaders' lives. And let me repeat again a very important scripture we've been quoting over and over again from Matthew 7.15. Jesus, when speaking about false prophets, he said you'll recognize them not by their words, not by their sermons, their great flowery speeches, their wonderful singing voice, their charisma, or their charming personality. He says you will recognize them by their fruits. This is one of the great mistakes that churches have made. They fall head over heels for somebody with a good voice, good looking, nice personality, lots of charisma. They can preach and prophesy and tell marvelous stories. That's all good and well, but we need to examine their life. We need to examine their fruit. And here again, if you look at their life carefully, you'll discover that they are slaves of depravity. Many of the uh, prominent, very popular false teachers and false prophets that have been exposed in recent times, when they're finally exposed, we discover horrible things. Very often they were drug addicts. They were pornography addicts. They were living in homosexuality or in immorality of the worst kind. Slaves to sin and all kinds of immorality. So just because they promise freedom in their sermons doesn't mean anything. We need to go beyond that and look at their lives. Verse 19 again they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. Many of these false teachers we saw last time, they're greedy. They're masters at greed. They've studied how to rip people off with tearful stories and testimonies, how to plead with people to get them to send in their money and, and you know, donate large amounts of money. What is it funding? It's funding their greedy lifestyle. And we need to be very careful. Again, I'm not saying every Christian leader is like that. But these false teachers, very often the hallmarks are either greed, sexual immorality, or a combination of the two. And they end up being slaves of depravity. One of the very prominent, prosperous, 
popular false teachers that we've talked about in several of these studies this uh, Jesus de Miranda whatever his name is I don't even care anymore uh, he had millions of followers his base of operation was down in Miami Florida he declared that he was Jesus Christ then he declared that he was the Antichrist and in the end nobody was quite sure who he was supposed to be but he died a drug addict an immoral uh, whoremonger who had multiple affairs with secretaries and other women from his ministry uh, he was a drunkard a drug addict a gambling addict and yet millions of followers sadly he still has many many followers who are awaiting his resurrection what foolishness what deception people fall under promising freedom while he himself was a slave of depravity in the message Bible verse 19 it says they promise newcomers freedom but they themselves are slaves of corruption for if they are addicted to corruption and they are they're enslaved these false leaders I want to be very clear tonight I've mentioned this a couple of different times throughout the study but we're now going to summarize this and look at all of the references here in second Peter and I think it will leave no doubt in your mind now these false leaders are backsliders who have left the faith they were once saved they were once in the faith and they left the faith and they've gone back into their old life of sin and if you look at all of these verses and I'm gonna go through all of them again study them carefully I don't care what the commentaries say I don't care what the popular teachers say if you look at the scriptures it leaves no doubt in your mind where these false leaders originate alright now it is clear from the entire second chapter of Peter that these false teachers not only did they start out in the faith but as I mentioned a little earlier tonight I personally believe they started out in ministry I'll let that sink in because that might not be real popular but I believe and I can tell you this from numerous first-hand experiences with false teachers and false prophets they started out not only in the ministry I'm sorry not they started out not only in the church but they started out in the ministry and they were dynamic ministers they could sing they could preach they had gifts of the Spirit they could prophesy people would fall out on the ground when they laid hands on them and some of them are sitting in a jail cell now because of the corruption and the depravity in their lives that wreaked havoc in many many other innocent souls Jude 12 and 13 we just read a little earlier refers to them as shepherds and stars very clear 
references that Jude uses here. He didn't, I don't think he picked these words out of the air. He used them very deliberately. A shepherd is a pastor. Shepherds feed and lead the sheep. Sheep refer to the believers in the congregation. Shepherds are those who feed them, lead them, and watch over them. Stars, we're told in Daniel 12, verse 3, are those who lead others to righteousness. So these are leaders. They are lights in the church that God set there to be guides, to be teachers, to be helpers to the rest of the church and the congregation. So although they started out as shepherds and stars, they backslid and they forsook the right way. Now, let me summarize all that we've seen now in 2 Peter chapter 2 to back up what I'm saying. Note all of these sections that we've already looked at earlier. Going all the way back to verse 1 of 2 Peter 2, Peter refers to them as those who deny the Lord who bought them. It's a very clear statement. They deny the Lord who bought them. And when we talked about that verse, we saw that's the same word that's used elsewhere for redemption. To redeem means to buy back something. So Peter is saying, these who were once redeemed by the Lord now are denying him. We saw in verse 15, and I'm quoting, they have left the straight way and wandered off. You know, it's amazing how commentators and teachers, they're determined to stick with a certain point, even though the scriptures directly contradict everything they're trying to teach or say. I don't know how you can twist this. They have left the straight way and wandered off. Logic and common sense would tell you you can't leave a road that you're not on. <laughs> you can't wander off from some place where you weren't. You wander off from your house. If you're on I-95 and you take a detour, you've left the straight way. But if you were never on the highway, these words are meaningless. They left the straight way. They wandered off from the right path. And now we come to what I think eliminates any doubt now about the origin of these false teachers, false prophets, false pastors. Back to Second Peter now, verse 20. He says, If they have escaped the corruption of the world. He's talking about the false teachers. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in the world and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. Now, Let's study this carefully. 
if they have escaped, that's past tense, they have escaped something, what have they escaped? They escaped the corruption of the world. Okay? They were like you and me. They were once lost. They were once bound. They were once corrupted by the whole world system. And they were in that sin and corruption of the world. But they escaped. Just like you and I escaped. There's only one way to escape. It's not by psychology. It's not by philosophy. It's not by intelligence or anything else but one thing. They escaped by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Doesn't say they were Muslims, Buddhists, or Hindus. They, like every other Christian, they escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. These were Christians. They knew the Lord. They knew the saving grace and the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And because of that, for a time, they escaped corruption. They got free. But it says, now they are again. You have to pay close attention to every word here, because every word is important. They are again entangled. Peter wouldn't use the word again unless it was happening a second time. They were entangled. They escaped. They are again a second time entangled in the corruption of the world and overcome by it. Goes right along with what he said in the previous verse. They're now slaves of depravity and they've been mastered by sin and depravity. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are now worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. Let me read to you verse 20 again from the Message Bible. It says, If they've escaped from the slum of sin by experiencing our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ, note those words, by experiencing our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then slid back into that same old life again, they're worse than if they had never left. Wow. So, here's the scenario. John Smith, He's a drug addict. Maybe he's an adulterer. He's a liar. Foul mouth. Doing all kinds of bad stuff. He hears about Jesus Christ. He gives his heart to the Lord. He gets saved. He gets born again. And man, 
He's delivered. He comes out of the corruption of the world. He's no longer entangled in that corrupt, depraved world system of sin. He's in church for a while, praising God and loving the Lord. But somehow, he slides back into the drugs, maybe into the lying, the adultery, whatever it was. They slid back into that same old life again. This guy is worse off than he was when he was originally a lost sinner in the world. That's pretty bad. Worse off than just a plain old lost sinner who's entangled by the the world and the sin of the world. Very strong words. Worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. Peter's not done yet. He has more to say along these same lines. Verse 21, he says, It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. To me, there's no room for any doubt. They knew the way of righteousness. It would have been better if they hadn't, but they knew it. They could probably preach it. They could probably teach it to others. They experienced it. They knew the way of righteousness, and having known it, they then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. They had the sacred command. They had the word of God. They knew the way of righteousness. They experienced the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they left it. They abandoned it. They turned away from it. I don't know how else you can cut this, but if there's still any doubt in anyone's mind, he finishes it off in verse 22 with two proverbs. He says, Of them the proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit. Notice, it doesn't say the dog vomited. He's now returning to his vomit. And the second proverb is a pig that has been washed now goes back to wallowing in the mud. It's not just a pig that's wallowing in the mud. This pig got washed. I don't know why anybody would want to do that, but somehow the pig got rescued from the mud, got washed off, scrubbed real nice, put some talcum powder all over him, maybe put some underarm deodorant, made him smell real nice, goes right back into the mud. A second time. Okay? Now, if there's 
instill any doubt in anyone's mind, let's turn to Jude again. We read these verses a little earlier in Jude 12. It says, These men are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm. They're in the church. They come to communion services. They're at fellowship dinners with all the believers. But they are shepherds who feed only themselves, clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit. There's no good fruit that you can find in their lives when you examine it closely. But it's the next part I want you to pay close attention to. They're autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. Twice dead. Why would Jude make a statement like that? Twice dead. How can you be twice dead? Well, it fits in perfectly with everything Peter wrote in these final verses of chapter 2, and I believe it supports everything we've been saying about the origin of false teachers, false prophets, false leaders. Let me, let me walk you through this. Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 5, we're not going to read the verses, but I think they're quite familiar to all of us. All sinners were once dead in their sins and trespasses. Paul, writing to the Ephesian believers, he said, this is what you once were. You were once dead in sin and trespasses, but when you got saved, you were made alive by Christ. So, they were once dead, but made alive. Praise God. So all of us were once dead. But what is this twice dead? I can find only one meaning to this phrase. They were dead in sins, like all of us were. They got saved. They were made alive through and I'm quoting again, through knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they came back to life, but as a result of their apostasy, their backsliding, they went back into the world, back into sin, they are dead again. Twice dead. This is a clear reference to the fact that they were once lost sinners, they were saved or regenerated, and they lost that spiritual life. I know some people will take issue with this, and, you know, I'm, I'm open to challenges on this, but I am convinced from my study of the Scriptures in 40 years that the Bible is very clear. People's names can be blotted out of the book of life. Revelation chapter 3 we can lose our salvation. We can be alive in Christ, and we can choose to go back into sin and, yes, death. I don't know of any other logical, reasonable explanation. I've read a number of the commentaries um, on this phrase, twice dead, referring to these false leaders that Peter 
has all these things to say about them. They deny the Lord who bought them. They left the straight way. They wandered from the faith. They, they had once escaped the corruption of the world, knowing the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but they went back into it, and they're worse off at their end than they were even at their beginning. And like dogs returning to their vomit and washed pigs that instinctively go back to wallowing in the mud, these false leaders lost their salvation. They're dead in sin again, and all they desire, all they're looking for now, is that old sinful life. And what does it produce in them? Let me read again, 2 Peter 2, verse 19. They promise freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. They're again slaves of sin. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. I think some verses that we've looked at earlier in this study, particularly in the writings of Paul, they line up exactly with what Peter writes here. They line up exactly with what we're uh, trying to state here tonight. Let me read to you just three of them from First and Second Timothy. Again, this is Paul writing about false teachers and false leaders in the church. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 19 and 20. He says, holding on to faith and a good conscience, some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Very obviously, these two men, Hymenaeus and Alexander, were once leaders in the church, and their faith went south. They didn't hold on to faith. They didn't hold on to a good conscience. Rather, it says they rejected faith and a good conscience, and in so doing, they shipwrecked their faith. Well, you can't shipwreck a ship that you weren't originally in or on. So they were in faith, but they shipwrecked it. It's even clearer in the next reference, 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 3. The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods. Now, a lot of people miss something here. Verse 3 
gives us a key as to who these people are that Paul's referring to. These are not just your back row, quiet backsliders. These are leaders. These are people who are in positions of authority to teach others and, yes, even to order others and forbid others. So these are people in positions of authority, pastors, teachers, people who have influence over other believers in the church. What does the Spirit say about them? They abandoned the faith. They follow deceiving spirits. Things taught by demons, King James calls it doctrines of devils, and such teachings come through hypocritical liars. These are teachers. And their teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. In other words, they go on sinning, their conscience pricks them and convicts them, but they keep sinning against their conscience until finally it's seared with a hot iron. But they go on teaching, forbidding people to marry, ordering others to abstain from certain foods, etc., etc. What did they do? They abandoned the faith. Again, simple logic and reason here. You can't abandon something that you didn't once have or you weren't once a part of. And finally, in 2 Timothy 2, verses 16 to 18, Paul mentions this Hymenaeus by name again, and another false teacher. He says in verse 16, Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching. Now stop there. Their what? Their teaching. These are teachers. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. They're teachers, all right. But what does it say about them? Who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. This is right in line with what we've been talking about all along concerning false teachers, false pastors, false prophets. They were in the truth, they were in the faith, they wandered from it, they abandoned it, and now they're destroying the spiritual lives of other people. That's the problem. Because they're in a position of authority, many people respect them because of who they once were, pastors, prophets, teachers, leaders. They're in a position to destroy the faith of innocent people, unsuspecting believers, new converts, maybe people who aren't well grounded in the scriptures. I'm going to wait and finish this 
final section next time because I still have quite a bit and I want to sort of tie all this together and do a summary as we bring to a close this second chapter of Second Peter. And I really am anxious to get into chapter 3 because there are really some powerful things that Peter has for us in the final chapter of this letter. But in conclusion tonight, let's just look back over these final verses of Second Peter chapter 2. He says that they make great promises, they boast and promise freedom and all sorts of things, but they're just a bunch of hot air because they themselves don't have freedom in their lives. They've left the straight way, they've gone back into sin, they are now again slaves of depravity, and that's exactly what they want to bring others into, their slavery and their depravity. Very clearly, these false leaders were once in the faith, they experienced the saving grace, the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but for whatever reasons they went back into their old life of sin, debauchery, and bondage, and their end is worse than their beginning. It would have been better for them to have never known Christ. Think about that. I mean, that's not a very good condition to be in. If you never knew Christ, I mean, you're lost. You're going to hell. But it would have been better for them just to have been lost sinners. Because for this group of people, Peter keeps emphasizing there's a special judgment reserved for them. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. And again, I, I, am, I make no apologies. I'm very passionate about this because of things that I have witnessed firsthand in my 40 years of ministry. I've seen many, many souls destroyed by these false leaders. And I've known the false leaders themselves. And many of them had a very good beginning in their Christian lives, they loved the Lord, they sang His praises, they had an anointing on their life, they had gifts of the Holy Spirit that were manifesting in their lives, and for whatever reason, they took a detour. And they left that straight path, and some of them are now in a very, very bad, bad condition. And literally, some of them, I'm not exaggerating this, some of them are behind prison bars because of the gross crimes that they have committed. And thank God the law finally caught up with them. Sadly, many dozens, maybe even hundreds, of innocent people were destroyed along the way. We have to really pray, because we are warned in these last days there are going to be many false prophets, 
many false teachers, many false Christs. We have to be on our guard. We have to be watching out for and strengthening the weaker ones, the newer converts, and helping them to get rooted and grounded in the truth of God's Word so that they cannot be seduced, they cannot be misled by these deceivers. Let us pray tonight, and like I said, next week we're going to summarize this entire second chapter, and then we want to move right along into the final chapter of Second Peter, where, interestingly enough, Peter still isn't done talking about people who can interfere with the faith and the spiritual lives of others. Because in the final chapter, he addresses what I believe is a separate and distinct group that he refers to as mockers and scoffers. And more about that when we get there. But let's pray tonight. Pray for each other. Pray for the church. Pray for Christian leaders to be strong in the faith, to have discernment, to be good shepherds who are watching over their flock and protecting them against these wolves in sheep's clothing, these deceivers who would even try to rise up from amongst the disciples and lead them astray. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you tonight because the church is yours. Lord Jesus, you declared, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We pray, O oh God, that in these last days your church would arise, your church would be strengthened, founded on the bedrock of Jesus Christ and the truth of your holy word. God, that we would not move to the right or the left. We would not compromise one jot or tittle of your holy word. But we would stand firm to the end in the truth of your holy word, O God. And Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth that you have filled each and every one of us with. Baptize us afresh and anew with that Spirit of truth lead us and guide us into all truth. Give us a love for the truth and a willingness to depart from all error, depart from all sin, depart from all carnality, from all depravity, from all bondage, and to cling to the Lord Jesus Christ with purpose of heart. God bless each and every one on this phone line, on the internet, those who may listen to this message through recordings in the future, strengthen our hearts with grace, strengthen us in your word and in your truth. Keep us faithful, pure, and holy to the very end as we watch and we hasten the soon return of our glorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.